welcome to Jesuitical, a podcast by the young, hip, and lay editors of American Media. That lay part means we aren't Jesuits, but we work with them. Join us each week for a smart Catholic take on faith, culture, and the news, often over drinks. I'm Ashley McKinless, and I'm joined by Zach Davis. Good to be with you on this bonus episode of Jesuitical. And Vivian Cabrera. Hello. 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 Welcome, welcome back, back to the pod. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me back. It's such an yeah, honor. Yeah, no, you you were okay last time, so we figured we'd, we'd let you stick around for these bonus episodes. Yeah, we figured you did a decent enough job uh, on our episode with Matt. Uh, so, and you, it sounds like you're bored, so... Uh, Can't confirm. <laughs> we thought we'd bring Vivian back to co-host some of these bonus episodes that we're going to be putting out. Um, but we also realized that you don't know her as well as we do, uh, because Vivian sits in between Ashley and I. Um We've gotten to know her quite well, and co-hosting these together made it feel like we were back in the office. But we wanted to introduce you to the audience a little bit. That sound okay? Perfect. I am here for it because I have nothing else to do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and we are so we are going to have a fourth voice later in the episode. We interviewed Tucker Redding, a Jesuit at America, um, a few weeks back now, but. It's actually still very relevant. He is creating a podcast called Imagine, which brings um, Ignatian contemplation to your podcast feeds. Yeah, so that's going to be in the Word podcast feed. Maybe some people who subscribe to that have already seen that. Um, And we talked to Tucker a little bit about his inspiration behind the project and what Ignatian contemplation is and why it's uniquely suited um, or well-suited for the podcasting medium. Yeah, and so that's been coming out each Friday during Lent and in Holy Week. So this is coming out on Tuesday. So this Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, he's going to be putting out um, new episodes. So again, look to the Word feed and subscribe there. But now, Vivian, let's hear about you. Yes, what do you want to know? (laughs) Who are you? Why are you here? Why is anyone here? That's a great question. (laughs) All right, so tell us about how you got to America. Yes. So um, I should probably tell you what I do at America first, maybe. I um, manage our social media platforms, run our newsletters, and all those fancy um, Facebook lives. But funny story, I found this job um, through Father Jim Martin's Twitter. Uh, He tweeted, do you want to come work with us? And I said, (laughs) I do. That's so funny. I got to my job um, through Father James Martin's Facebook. Uh, page he posted we're hiring an assistant editor come work for america and i was like all right <laughs> that's basically it yeah um, the catholic and, linkedin <laughs> yeah and it worked i was hired and now i'm here and h- how long you been in america i think this is my third year so you're on the receiving end of all of the mean tweets that people send to america's account correct yes. um yeah so that's so that's super fun i see everything um so that's really interesting do you hear that too. world just just imagine Vivian's voice the next time you want to yell at America Magazine for some article that you hate. It's like, it's Vivian who's going to see it. Save. I yeah. save so, all of those. So at least read the article before you yell at Vivian. Yeah, and then it might be justified. I, I do plenty of yelling at Vivian, so I understand the impulse. This is true. But, well, give it some time. Give but it some before, time. Maybe before you got to America, I guess, why did you want to pursue a career in Catholic media at all? Actually, all I wanted to do was um, I wanted to tweet for the Pope. <laughs> Uh, this is around the time that Benedict had like started Twitter. And then when I was graduating, we already had Pope Francis. And I was like, I would love to just run the Pope's Twitter. Um, so that's kind of what, why I do what I do still. That, is that real? That was to... the, that was the first real impulse was like, Oh, that'd yeah. be cool. 
I was okay. like, I want, I'm going to live in Rome and just tweet for the Pope. Can't be that difficult. All right. Well, you got James Martin, so that's like a good consolation prize. <laughs> I'm basically almost there. Yeah. So still working towards that. So you've you've not only taken over our Twitter, you've brought our Instagram to life. So I'm wondering, is TikTok next? I've considered asking my roommates. It's like, should we be doing TikToks? We have all the time in the world now. <laughs> uh, we have we have so far not um, ventured into TikTok. But speaking of roommates, where are you? Where are you recording this from? Um, yeah, so I live in uh, Manhattan, right um, next to Central Park. But a uh, funny story: my room doesn't have a closet. Um, so I've just tried to find the quietest spot in my room, which is just my bed. I'm um, hoping that my neighbors don't have spontaneous dance parties, which they've been known to have. Um, Your upstairs neighbors, so it's just a pounding on the on the uh, ceiling. No, my my next door neighbors. You oh, so pounding on the walls. Hear, yeah, you can hear the music. You can hear the someone started a fire. You heard that. <laughs> You can bear everything to the walls. Good, good. And so other than living in very close quarters uh, with your neighbors, like the rest of us in New York, um, what else have you been doing uh, under quarantine to uh, stay sane and stay busy? Um, I'm doing what everyone is doing, which is uh, baking sourdough. That's been super fun. <laughs> I'm not doing that for the record. Oh, most most people, I think. Um, I, think right. I, I am not least. either. Your sourdough uh, starter has a name, right? His name is David. Um, okay. I've also been watching a lot of Schitt's Creek. Um, <laughs> is that is that where David comes from? Yes, um, okay. and he's still he's still kind of growing. So I haven't gotten to the baking part. I'm just trying to make sure I don't kill David. Um, okay. And coming up with like, although I find that because my work is online all the time, um, now I have more work to do. Mm. So I really need to be intentional about um, like work and then not working instead of just like oh I kind of work all the time. Um, which is not healthy work-life balance. Right. Well, and I, I, every I imagine everyone is sort of going through this it, extra screen time right now, where we're all trying to find ways to sort of analog decompress. Mm-hmm. You know, e- scrolling through social media feels worse than it used to. I, I've noticed. Yes, and it and now it's like it's the only way you can be social too. So it was like it was my job or like media professionals. It's our job, but now it's also your social free time. Um, so you really need to be like strict and intentional about I'm going to disconnect from my Twitter feed and just talk to my friends via Zoom or or talk to my the people I'm living with and not look at my phone or computer. I think you have to be a lot more intentional with that. Yeah. Sorry we invited you on this podcast <laughs> for more from our virtual communication. <laughs> That's great. All right. So in addition to cooking, I know you're a big reader. Have you felt like you've been doing more reading under quarantine or no? Uh, no, I think I've just been really distracted by everything. Yeah. I did I did go to the library and panic borrowed library books. Okay. So I do have, um, and my roommate's also a big reader, so we have plenty of books. But I just find I'm kind of distracted. Um, so trying to find my way slowly into a, the habit that I had before. All right, maybe you could give uh, listeners a book, one book recommendation, something recent that you've read. Uh, yes. Well, a comfort read that is also relevant, I think, to our time is a book called Sourdough, about baking sourdough bread in farmer's markets <laughs> in San Francisco. So um, I would. it's a really delightful um, distraction and comfort, comfort read, I'd say. Okay. Is it hard to do a sourdough starter? I have not tried uh, it is. It takes like two weeks. And I have okay. actually been in communication with um, Father Sam Sawyer. He's already baked his 
um, sourdough. So I texted him. I'm like, I think I killed David. What do I do? So he's <laughs> been uh, helpful in making. He's like, he hasn't dieted. He's just hungry. So um, that's. Been Is helpful. there like a bread raising from the dead joke? I can't quite make it because I don't know enough about what's going on, mm-hmm. but it feels like there's an obvious religious pun. There. There's got to be, but I'm only on day four, so I need a little more time to <laughs> sit with my. On the uh, it doesn't rise on the, it doesn't rise on the third day. <laughs> no, <laughs> got Takes it. a few more days. All right, we found our way there, Vivian. Uh, speaking of religiousness, uh, how are you? Have you been praying? <laughs> Great transition, Zach. <laughs> I'm a professional. <laughs> I have, although I find that it's it's been difficult because um, I, I really just I'm like. I'm drawn towards the Eucharist and I really want to like go to mass or go to church, but obviously like no one, no one's able to. Um, so I haven't been able to like watch mass cause it's too, it's just too difficult to, to see it. Um, but I did download a new prayer app um, that is, is good because I don't have to like, all I have to do is listen. I don't have to participate, I guess in the sense, like I'm too distracted to pray. But if all I have to do is listen to someone praying in my ear, then I'm able to pray, if yeah. that makes sense. What's the app? Uh, Hallow, I believe. Hallow, okay. Yeah, but you can like listen to the rosary, listen to night prayer. I fall asleep to that all the time. I've seen you posting on Facebook um, screenshots of your family doing FaceTime rosaries. Can you tell me about that? It's adorable. Absolutely. That, I did, never saw that coming. Um, but we actually started it. Uh, my grandfather passed away three years ago in March. Um, and because no one was allowed to go to the cemetery, uh, my mom had the idea of like, well, let's just FaceTime everyone and pray the rosary together. And it was really nice to see families from like three different states across the the U.S. kind of come together, like 10 different households, I think we had. Um, and some people pray, other people kind of are just there. But it's just really nice to to have them, that community. Um, and it's FaceTime that we're doing it. So you see like, it looks like a window screensaver that keeps like popping and jumping um, so it's also delightful, like you're praying, you're looking at them and having a little fun. Um, so that's been, that's been really helpful and useful to stay connected, uh, with my family in prayer. Yeah. It's, I, it's been tough for me. And I feel like a lot of people are in this situation, um, just being like away from family right now. Um, yeah. it's hard a lot of times, but especially when, you know, the world is a little bit on fire, I feel like it can, it's been tough, uh, for me. How's it been for you? I think especially because we live in New York and that's like, if all you know about New York is what you see in the news, it's terrifying. Um, like just the deaths keep increasing so that like I have a lot of my family's all worried about me and everyone's yelling at me in Spanish when I'm like, I went for a walk. <laughs> Don't do that. Um, where, where is your family? Uh, they're in Texas. The majority of them are in Texas. Um, so it is difficult to be away. Like I wish I could be with them. I don't think that's uh, possible or wise for me. Um, at this time, but, um, but like I call my parents every day, which is really nice. And even if it's just like to see their face, um, I think that's, that's a consolation. Yeah. Well, will your parents listen to this podcast? Uh, yes, they already listened to the other one. Oh, so excellent. All right. So maybe you can take us out with a goodbye to your family yeah. <laughs> or a hello to your family. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, now you're going to get me in trouble. I feel like I've never done my a direct goodbye to my mother before in three years. Bye, mom. Too. That's what I'm here for.
Joining us in studio is Tucker Redding, a Jesuit in training who is currently working at American Media as an assistant producer for audio and video. Welcome to Jesuitical, Tucker. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. On this side of the mic. I know, I know. I usually sit on the other side of the mic listening to all of you. So this is really an honor and a privilege. All right. So one of the things you're working on, in addition to uh, doing engineering for Jesuitical, is a new Lenten podcast called Imagine. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yeah. So Imagine is going to be a series of podcasts that lead you through Ignatian contemplation, which is really a form of prayer that engages the imagination. Kind of think about it as daydreaming your way through prayer. I thought that was like, I thought daydreams and prayer was... A no-no? A no-no. Is that a distraction or... Well, and that's something to sort of, uh, to figure out. Sometimes a distraction might actually be something from God. So sometimes those daydreams are indications of the things that are on your mind. And sometimes the things that are on your mind are things that you are passionate about, things that you are worried about. And this is something that Ignatius really taught, that these are indications from God of where he might be calling you. All right, we want to get more into Ignatian contemplation later. But first, can we just like, what what can people expect from this podcast if they're listening during Lent? So basically, it's um, normally Ignatian contemplation is something that you would do by yourself. Um, in the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius, he'd give you different instructions for basically how to create a scene in your head and then sort of play it out and imagine yourself kind of being there as a part of it. Um, what this podcast will do is it'll be kind of heavily guided, asking a series of questions to help you think about the different things that might be present in your scene. And what, what makes Lent like the perfect time to release a podcast like this? I just feel like Lent is one of those times of year where we are we're really going through a particular story of the Gospels. So the idea of following Jesus, the, the podcast will start with the baptism of Jesus. So to start there and to go all the way through his crucifixion and resurrection really packs the entire story of Lent um, in one mm-hmm. in one podcast form. And is, is the podcast form sort of, what does that uh, bring to this type of prayer? Is there something about audio that makes it... Uh, conducive to leading someone through this? I think so. You see, uh, where this really came from is uh, my previous assignment was working in a Jesuit high school. And so I actually developed a few of these uh, that are now going to be like my podcast scripts um, as reflections that I would give my students. And normally I would try to have nothing visual. High school students are notoriously good at daydreaming. Well, exactly. (laughs) So I, I really wanted to engage them in a way that I thought would make the most sense for them. And so I would normally ask them to close their eyes and I would read this to them and, and go through. So you read like a gospel passage? Actually, no. Um, I I kind of go through a passage because a lot of times in contemplation, you try not to get too bogged down in the details of the text itself. But the idea of taking big stories that you know we, we pretty much know and then going through them in broad strokes to get a sense of, of what's going on Can there. Can you give an example? Yeah, so um, the first one that I had done is actually the, the Last Supper. And so I don't actually read the, um, the scripture for the Last Supper. Instead, I kind of start with the idea of building the scene. So what does this room look like? And that's exactly what I'll do. I I try not to impose my own imagination onto anybody, but ask questions to activate your own. So what does this room look like? And then take a few moments to think about what's there. Uh, What is the size of the table? And a question I started asking that I kind of love because the responses I would get is, 
have you seen this table before? Do you recognize it? And in sort of asking for feedback from my students, one of them said, it's my grandmother's table. Mm. And I didn't put that there. I didn't put that in your head like, oh, is that your grandma's table or something? No, I just asked a small question and it activated their imaginations to sort of find that. So we sort of set the scene. And once it's built, I don't really read the scripture itself, but I kind of just go through the story. So they sit down for a meal. And the one part that I might read would be the actual words that Jesus said. So this sounds kind of fun. And like, we didn't really grab with the idea that prayer was fun. Do you find like the people who experience it, that's something that they take away? I think so. And that's that's really why I wanted to do this. And um, because it's something that I really fell in love with, with Ignatian spirituality in the first place, is I always thought of prayer as kind of very formal and there's nothing wrong with our formal prayers, but I think we all we all pray in a different style because we all have just different styles of personality. And so for me to learn about this type of prayer where I can actually sort of get lost in my imagination, it it was really intriguing and, and could be a, a lot of fun. Now, it does sound a little bit like uh, potentially like Freudian psychotherapy. Like, do you, So do you need to be on like a couch with your head up and imagine or where can people listen to this? Or where would you recommend someone listen to a podcast like this? That's a good point, because I'm actually still trying to figure out, like, oh, is, if somebody's listening in their car, like, <laughs> do I need to be like, yeah. I was like, I, I don't know, I'm a little worried that. about that. But um, close your eyes. <laughs> oh, God. I'm not going to put that in there. You need to put a disclaimer at the yeah, end yeah. of these episodes. That is not in the vehicle. podcast, just <laughs> yeah. in case. Um, I listen to most of mine on the subway, so I'm kind of, I, I kind of imagine, like, could I still do this there? It's like, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd like to try and see how it works. So no closing of eyes. But yeah. um, I think the idea is the ideal place would be to find a place that you find relaxing and comfortable, a place where you can naturally just sort of let your guard down. So if you do have a space in your room and your home where you could just go and sit down and allow yourself to immerse into this environment. I think that would be the ideal, but my hope is this is something that people could do in a variety of environments. Okay, so for those of people who aren't versed in Ignatian talk, what is Ignatian contemplation specifically? And what differentiates it from other kind of prayer? I think for one thing, um, contemplation itself is really about activating the imagination and using the imagination in your prayer. So the idea of, um, of I guess, the daydreaming type of prayer it's sort of contemplation itself. I would say the Do you it, actually have to like see things? I, <laughs> like, and, like in your head? <laughs> what if like what's the difference between like see it coming to you and like forcing yourself to see something? Yeah. I think right? there's somewhere in between. Mm-hmm. Because on one hand, um on one hand, you don't necessarily just want to get lost in the daydream to the point mm-hmm. where you're actually not engaging the story. Mm-hmm. Like the goal is kind of the way daydream I dream s- on purpose. Right? <laughs> <laughs> the way I kind of see it or think about it uh, in my head is I'm building a set, almost like I'm building a set to a play with my mm-hmm. imagination. I'm going to put all these things around the set and then I'm going to say um, like action and then actually have it go on. And if you never get to that point, then you're not actually engaging in the contemplation. You're kind of just getting lost in the imagination. You're like I, playing Sims and just building well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I think the goal to really get to is the point where, um, and what I find the most amazing about this form of prayer, is where you feel like you're actually interacting with or witnessing the scene. And so I had first engaged in this in the spiritual exercises um, 
which Jesuits will go through like a 30-day silent retreat where we engage in this type of prayer. And at the end of it, you actually come away with this feeling that you've witnessed some of these events and you've noticed these minute little details that aren't actually, you know, in scripture, um, but they're just these mechanical parts. Like, well, how how is it that Jesus walked on water? What does that look like? What does it look like for the stone to be moved from Lazarus's tomb? You know, just things like that where all of a sudden when you see those stories again or hear them like in mass or somewhere else, you now have almost like a memory mm-hmm. attached to these scriptures. I, one thing that's held me up when I've been led through things like this is it'll get to the point where it's like, and then Jesus walks in the room. What does he look like? And I'm like, I have no freaking idea like what mm-hmm. Jesus looked like or sounded like. And all of a sudden there's this pressure, <laughs> yeah. right? To create what like a God. <laughs> or they'll ask you like, what is he saying to you? And how do you put words in Jesus's mouth? And like I get really thing. stuck when mm-hmm. that type of thing happens. Yeah. What What would you say to someone like me? My Asking for a friend, of course. <laughs> I th- you both bring up very similar um, points that are, I think, very important. So for one, and this is kind of going back to a question I didn't fully answer earlier. Um, but for one thing, if there are parts of the imaginative exercise that don't come naturally, don't force them. So if you can't imagine Jesus' face, then don't try to. Um, it, it might sound strange right now, but yeah. like in a lot of my prayers, like I can't fully picture the entire face. I see the person that I know is Jesus. And if the face doesn't come naturally, I just kind of move on. Once or twice, like he sort of embodied someone I really loved or respected. And mm-hmm. I just sort of went with that because in the moment, it it really meant something and it was natural. So, mm-hmm. so don't try to force the experience. Um, I would say the other thing is this idea that um, you're making it all up. There is some level in which that's kind of true. Um, I remember going to my spiritual director when I first started uh, kind of Ignatian contemplation. And I was like, I had this beautiful experience with Jesus. But afterwards, it was just like, I just made all of that up. It was all in my head. And he's like, of course it was all in your head. (laughs) But who created your imagination? And do you really think that God can't work through that to speak to you? So I'd say a big part of this experience is really always start with this idea of calling the Holy Spirit to guide you, mm. um, to make sure it's guided in that way. Was your, sorry, I have to ask, was your spiritual spiritual director Dumbledore? <laughs> Who told Harry, of course it's happening inside your head, but why on earth should it mean that it's not real? It oh is fair. God, that's a good point. Very similar. <laughs> I, I heard it first through my spiritual director. Oh, it was okay. not Dumbledore. But, yeah, and people say Harry Potter isn't Christian. Yeah. Enough, oh, but, oh, but that kind of reminds me, like, do you find that the the content you consume, like the books you read, the musicals, do you find that that is, gets translated when you're imagining? It, de- it definitely does. Um, and I have a very recent example, but I find that Jesus sometimes takes on like my sense of humor. <laughs> and, and so it, it becomes something fun. It's like all of a sudden, like Jesus and I have an inside joke. Mm-hmm. Like the mm-hmm. other day. He's like our- a Star Wars nerd or something. <laughs> Actually, you you already know. <laughs> I know you too well. <laughs> the other day, I was in this prayer experience um, and with my spiritual director, and he asked me, well, what does Jesus say? What does he, re- or what do you say to Jesus? And I said, I love you. And he said, how does Jesus respond? And I sort of started to laugh. And it's like, Jesus said, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and so all of a sudden, Jesus is on solo. <laughs> 
But it kind of worked and in some way is fun because it's like, no, no, if Jesus is supposed to be my friend, and I continue to sort of struggle with it. I, I Honestly, that always sounded hokey to me. Mm-hmm. Although it, it should be true. It should be something we strive for. But the thing is, if Jesus is supposed to be my friend, this is the kind of dumb joke a friend of mine and I would make with each other. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, this idea that, you know, it's part of my personality or part of what I consume is going in. But that would be the same case with the friend. We would have like a yeah. joke like that together. So while I might be tempted to say this isn't real, I think there's another side that's that really begs like, no, this is because this is exactly how a friend would respond. Could I ask like a maybe a historical question? So the, Ignatius doesn't invent this, maybe, but certainly sort of standardizes and popularizes it. Yeah. Is that true? Absolutely. Because I think that's what we could say about the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius is that he he wasn't even the first person to come up with what we call spiritual exercises. And this is sort of like um kind of a grouping of prayers that that ends up becoming kind of a retreat that you can do in different environments and things like that. Um, but part of it, and this is where we get kind of Ignatian contemplation, is very specific and kind of vivid examples of how to go through this kind of experience, like um, how to imagine yourself um, at the nativity, even talking about like picture the animals around you, picture the road that led them to Bethlehem. So there's all these very specific questions to help you build this entire scenario. So I'm trying to go off of that exact same pattern where you try to envision the story itself, but then the details behind the story too. And what, how does that, I don't know, how does that shift your perspective on scripture or on just your life and the things that kind of like count as prayer or count as like, you know, something from God? I think one big part of it is it actually adds some texture to scripture that makes it easier for us to actually hold on to. Um, In many ways, it humanizes it. This idea that we have this God that became incarnate, well, that means like the Bible itself and all the stories in it are very human stories. So imagining things like Jesus as like a young adult or child, which is something Ignatius uh, encourages you to imagine, what is that like? Especially when we don't actually have that much scripture to go off of. Well, then you start taking, well, what's the human experience? What is kind of my experience? And not necessarily just grafting that onto Jesus, but what's something that kind of makes sense in this scenario? Just even the idea of, I don't, Jesus and the disciples being hungry and thinking through that and my own sensation of hunger and feelings of hunger. Easy to imagine right now. Exactly. <laughs> yes. yes, very true. Very true. Do you have any favorite scenes from the Bible that you pray with or scenes you go back to and do those change with the time in your life or like the stage information you're in? So yes, there are some I definitely go back to and they definitely change. And that's kind of the amazing thing is, is sometimes you could see some of these and think, okay, well, I've done that before. But a big thing with Ignatius is repetition because it's not that the scripture changes, but you do. And so what you notice each time changes. I would say the one that I really love going back to is actually a scene that's not in scripture. Um, this is there are good start. Yes, yes. I, I know. I know. Bible's I know. not good enough for you. <laughs> there is a scene that there are a few times that Ignatius asks you to imagine something that is very logical. Um, but it's not necessarily in Scripture. So, I mean, Scripture is supposed to cover Jesus' entire life, and yet it's actually, like, the Gospels are fairly short to cover that amount of time. So there are all these gaps he encourages you to imagine. And the one that I love because he's adamant about it 
is that the very first person that Jesus visited after the resurrection had to be Mary, his mother. It's not in scripture, but he is completely adamant. Ignatius is. Yes, sorry. Uh, Ignatius is completely adamant that Jesus would not have gone to anyone else before Mary, his mother. And so he asks you to imagine this scene with nothing except this idea of a mother and son reuniting. And so I remember first hearing about that before I became a Jesuit, kind of on a retreat to discern the Jesuits. And it was so moving. And it's one that I continue to go back to because each time, like seeing Mary's face when she hears Jesus and kind of this triumphant and joyous reunion is one that I continue to go back to. I didn't know that. In in all of my like Marian places I've been and all my Jesuit things I've ever been, no one's ever mentioned that. That's like, it is so moving. Yeah. That's why it's funny. It's it's sort of, I mean, it's not really a surprise. It's, uh, that's why it's not spoiling a surprise, but that's why I actually like bringing up that one because I find it's the one that a lot of people haven't heard of before, but it's it's just kind of instantly powerful because of that connection we all have. And it makes sense. Like, who wouldn't go to their mom first? Like, if the first thing you would do is go to your mom. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's very. it really humanizes it. Yeah. All right, so for people who have never done this sort of prayer before, can you kind of, like, give some, like, tips for, like, a good place to start, a good way to approach it? Um, Yeah. What's, like, an easy verse, too, to maybe start with? No, it's a good question. My, My immediate response might sound a little... Jesuitical. Um, hey, ha-ha. In the right place. Over here yeah, part. exactly. Um, but I, I would actually deflect the answer back to what's one that immediately comes to your mind? Because it would probably be something that's a favorite of yours. And that's actually where I would encourage you to begin. What's one that immediately comes to mind when I ask you to um, picture something? And I, I wonder if even like me asking that to you right now, like is there one that immediately comes to mind to you as one that would be very visual? For me... Uh, the calling of the first disciples is usually one I go to. The uh, first thing that came to mind was loaves and fishes, but that might just be because I'm hungry. Hey. I, I thought of that too, but that's because of the scripture reading. Like the first song for Mass was Pescador de Hombres, so that's kind of what I was, oh, I was picturing. Yeah. And then you would just smell like the sea and the fit, like you would smell that and that adds a layer, or would add a layer to your contemplation, I would imagine. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and now I'll actually give you an answer. But like mm-hmm. the, uh, um, Jesus calling Peter to walk on water has always been a favorite of mine because there's so many visual elements to it uh, that can be really remarkable to pray with. So I I would encourage people to find one that they are really drawn to automatically because I think that might be something that God might be calling them to. So I guess this is like my I'm a left brain person. So then like the thing I want to know is like, what's the point? Like what Mm. don't you need like a takeaway or like a big (laughs) spiritual insight for this to be worth it? (laughs) No, absolutely. And I think for one, one of the takeaways might be that you are turning scripture from a passive reading exercise almost into something to put in your memory. So the next time that you hear it, you might actually see those scenes again. So all of a sudden, they become memories. Like There, there are actually parts of scripture that I swear I've witnessed because of being through those prayer experiences, which is, is really powerful to have that feeling uh, so it's sort of transferring it to a different part of your brain in a way. Ashley, just pretend there's a test later. <laughs> and you should be fine. <laughs> At the end of your life, that'll be the test. Yeah. I would say the other thing is that somewhere in those little details will will come some form of connection that will bring you closer to whoever it is you're imagining. Most of the time I would imagine like 
Jesus would be a part of that. So seeing these little things like Jesus actually weeping outside of Lazarus's tomb and all of a sudden like seeing that for yourself. So the goal, I would say the takeaway is this greater connection to Jesus ultimately. And it might not happen right away, but kind of over time. Absolutely. Okay. Well, we have one final question for you. I don't know if you'll be ready for this. Okay. Um, If you can canonize anyone, living or dead, Catholic or not, who would it be and why? So I feel like in all of my time in listening to Jesuitical, I kind of ask myself this every time. And I've not always been able to come up with an answer, but I feel like I finally have one. Um, Sister Win Vu uh, is a Franciscan sister uh, who currently works in uh, Lafayette, Louisiana at a hospital. And I first met her as a novice um, working in Baton Rouge. She is by far one of the most joyful people I have ever met. I mean, she was working with people. She continues to work with people in hospitals, completely joy-filled, really trying to bring that joy to her fellow staff members who experience tragedy on a daily basis. And we built this connection where she'll she'll text me every holiday. You know, she has my parents' number now. She'll like call my mom because she knows that my mom doesn't get to see me that often anymore. So she all of a sudden developed this relationship and I know she she hasn't always had like a big community that their their orders kind of dropping in numbers right now where she's at. But no matter what, she's always been this joy-filled person. And I think no matter what you're called to in life, that's what we're called to be is just filled with joy that radiates to other people. Mm-hmm. Sister Win Vu, is that what you said? Sister yeah. Win Vu. Pray for us. Pray for us for sure. All right. Uh Tucker, thank you so much for joining us. Can you remind people or tell people where they can find the podcast Imagine This Lent. So our new podcast, Imagine, will be dropping this Lent. It'll actually start as something we'll put in the Word podcast, but we're actually going to build a separate podcast feed for it. It's going to start as a 10-part series that'll allow you to pray uh, throughout Lent. It'll kind of be like going on your own mini audio retreat with our hope of adding to this over time. So anytime that you feel like uh, you'd like to engage in it, it'll be there for you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Boom. That was great, Tucker. (laughs) Boom. That was very fun.